Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. How are you? Good. Happy Passover. Thank you. Happy Passover to you. How was your Passover? It was, it was actually, so this is the first year ever in my entire life that I actually had to do a Seder, like put, cook everything and prepare everything. And, um, I did it. We made chicken soup from scratch with a chicken in it and, uh, matzo balls and haroset and everything. And it was actually as, um, you know, as different as it was, it was actually pretty awesome. Alex helped me a lot in the kitchen. The girls helped somewhat, but Alex took a lot of ownership. He wanted to like make everything. So, so it was fun. It was, it wasn't so bad. How was yours? Look at that example you're setting for your kids and look at your menchie son, Mensch meaning that he's such a good boy and that he helped his mama in the kitchen and learned some cooking skills. That's awesome. He's, he's got some pretty mad cooking skills. So uh, that's so awesome. And he was very proud. So it was, it was nice because we never do that. Usually I show up at whoever's hosting and maybe bring one side dish or something and don't have to do anything. So it was a little overwhelming and like trying to figure out what I needed. And um, uh, the Chabad, the local Chabad here was offering free, all of the items that go on the Seder plate, which are, mm-hmm. I mean, they're pretty basic, but some are, there's a shank bone. So finding that is not always an easy thing to do. And they offered it free and they had um, curbside contact list pickup. So that was really nice and a big help to get me, you know, squared away with everything I needed. So, so it was good. That's an amazing service. That's really great that they did that. Mine was good. Um, we, we looked at it similar to you as an opportunity. Typically, we do Passover with friends, um, either I host or friends host. We don't have any family that are local. But this year, for the first time since probably my adult life, we sort of spent Passover with my mom and Darren's parents through Zoom. And then we had my uncle on it, my cousin, um, my friend, a couple of friends. And um, you know what? It was really special. It was really cool. Yeah, so different, we, different doesn't always mean bad. Different can mean like getting out of your normal routine and doing something that's new. So it was, it was, like I said, I was, was sort fun. of dreading, not dreading it, but I was thinking like, is this going to feel like Passover? And, um, and it actually was really nice. So nice. Yeah. So, I love it. So one of the things we did last night was we, after we were done doing the Passover part, we, we ate dinner together. Like we kept the zoom on and we ate dinner and I actually highly recommend that. I feel like a lot of times we, we are doing these zoom calls where we'll say, okay, I'll call you at eight and you sit down and you call. But it got me thinking, like, I feel like we should do more zoom meals where you like have another family and you eat dinner together or something like that. Yeah. So just, just conversation. Out there. It's just like nice yeah. conversation and yeah. Yeah. So one of the things we did, um, a little off topic, but why not, is we were playing for each other like funny memes that like are funny songs and things that um, we had like found through this pandemic. And can I play this for you? Have you heard the Adam Sandler, Jimmy Fallon song? I haven't until you mentioned it earlier. I mean, okay. I haven't listened to it yet. So I haven't. So funny. All right. I'll tee it up because it's so freaking funny. So while I'm teeing it up, um, we just were like, is there anything funny lately that you've seen coming out of this pandemic? Oh, lots of funny things. Okay. Yeah. So lots tell of, me some of your highlights. I, I got to say, like, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like just funny memes about um, like, what day is it? Like, so like the one yes. that has like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with all the mun, everything is just day, 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 day. Um, I, I, I'm sure there's other stuff like not coming to the top of my head now. If I think about it all, you know, but there's funny stuff all the time that comes out. There are all the like 
Um, you know, there's the Israeli mom that's, 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 um, oh, I love vetching, that. vetching about, about homeschooling, <laughs> um, or, you know, whatever distance learning. So that's really funny, but yeah, there's been a lot of funny stuff to come out of this. Okay. Well, I personally love this one because a lot of people struggle understandably with like not spending the holiday with their parents, i.e. grandparents. So this is Jimmy Fallon and, and Adam Sandler. And this song is titled Don't Touch Grandma. <laughs> talk um do you want to touch on like some of the stuff we're reading this week about distance and running and sort of what we found out since our last episode yeah well, I think it's important to, to talk about you know we had posted something this week on our Facebook page about running solo and we got a lot of feedback on that and I think all valid points but I think you know the bottom line there's a lot of confusion about what is safe what isn't what social distancing how does that apply to running and so we had a lot of people say like well, hey, you know, it's my mental health. I need to run with my running partner and we run six feet apart. Or, you know, look, we're both quarantined separately and we haven't seen anybody else the rest of the week, so it's okay. Or, um, you know, it's okay. I, I can still drive to this place to run and, um, you know, there's no reason we can't drive somewhere to run. Or there's, you know, so many nuances. And, um, and I think people are very, obviously, and we're this way too, very protective of our right to be able to go out and run because it's our sanity. So, um, so I just think there's a lot of confusion as to what, what, what's safe and what's not. I personally, you know, I've always run by myself, so it's not a big sacrifice to continue doing that, but that's what feels best to me. And, you know, I, I have seen groups running together, which is just, I don't know, it's so weird. It's so funny because a month ago, we never, you know, you see a group running and it like almost causes panic. Like, oh, why is there a group running or why are there people like you even hear them talking and it, it's such a foreign sound now. And we wouldn't have thought about that a month ago, but now you see it and it's like a little, um, you know, it's a little, it's out of place. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think the issue with that is then if you're running even in a street and there are others, a group coming the other way, trying to get around each other is tricky. And um, it's just, I, I, I don't know, but we uh, just saw an article that we were just talking about that actually did a study of, of runners and running and the um, kind of the particulates that are, that are that are emitted when we breathe heavily or cough or sneeze while we're running and um, it was interesting to me because it was an actual study done and it uh, showed that um, that those molecules um, do travel through the air and particularly if it's like assuming not a windy day like kind of travel behind you so if there's somebody running 
within a few feet behind you, if Cup follows after you, they could they could run through that. I guess theoretically, then could could actually spread the virus. So um, you know, there's nobody knows what how this is spread. Nobody knows. I was um, have a friend who was actually in the hospital with with COVID positive, and when she left, she's fine, luckily now. But when she was leaving, she asked the doctors, "What do I do to protect myself? Like, can or and my family and." do I quarantine now? Do I wear a mask for a certain amount of time? And they couldn't give her any answers. They didn't know uh, how long she's contagious, if if she's still contagious, if she can, you know, be around her family. Should she wear a mask? Should she wear a mask if she goes out? Nobody could give her an answer. So I think that's part of the issue is that we don't have any hard and fast answers and we don't know the exact situation. So I think everyone's just trying to to navigate that. Yeah, I think the other issue is like we've also seen a lot of posts or or shares where people say, well, I run with a friend and we run 20 feet apart. And so that's fine. And and our answer to that is, well, then you're running solo because if you are meeting up with someone for accountability or safety reasons and you're meeting up where you are consistently at least 20 feet apart, then you're not running together. You're running solo right, and that's great nearby. yeah yeah that's great that's totally fine that is exactly what you should be doing i think the issue is when you try to run side by side even if it's just one other person i haven't yet seen it and maybe it's where i live this the width of our paths our sidewalks i don't know but um, I've never seen people actually run consistently six feet apart. Maybe they're able to run six feet apart for a meter and then like, like then they spread out or something. But I think it's really hard to stay in that same exact position, six feet apart, side by side, um, and, and meaningfully socially distance while running and also not put yourself in a position where you're causing other runners around you to not be able to navigate six feet from you. So and that six goes feet isn't even six feet is like, I think sort of arbitrary. And, and this study that was done, they said three to four meters, which is like, you know, 13, 15 feet away. That's it's not six feet away. So I, I think the bottom line is, is that I think um, we all just need to like take a step back and, not argue or get defensive over like the, the nuances, but just recognize that we're all trying to do our best and we're all worried about um, our communities, ourselves. Um, I think a little bit, we may be a little bit worried about losing our privilege to be able to go out and run. It's happened in other places. Paris just put in place a, you know, kind of curfew on outside exercise. So I think there's a little bit of uh, anxiety over that. We all want to hold on to that. So, I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I think it gets, I don't like to see it get to the point where we're internally arguing with our running community about what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing um, over like kind of loopholes or um, technicalities, but just kind of recognizing that we don't know uh, what's safe and what's not safe and that we all just have to be, I think, respectful of each other's decisions and make sure that uh, we're kind of doing what, what we think is best for not only for ourselves, but for our community and for the other people that are that are out there. Exactly. And I think that you hit the nail on the head. Unfortunately, this situation is so tricky because it's not one of those things where we can just say, well, I'm doing what's best for me. Every decision we make, and we've said this before, affects someone else. So we really have to think about ourselves as part of a community. So 
Um, I think I saw something and, and it kind of shifted my thinking. When I run, I don't think about how someone can affect me, how someone's contagious to me. I think more about how I could be contagious to them. And it's just like one more layer where I'm just running so far away and, and crossing into medians if I have to. I'll, I'll do whatever I need to because I don't want to be the contagion to someone yeah. else. And have you been, so have you been wearing a mask when you run? Because I know some people are. I'm wearing a buff and this is why. I, I, when you wear, when the masks, at least that I have, I have a couple of like, like a neighbor of mine made me a couple of masks. They're adorable, but they, um, you know, you wear them behind your ears and they, they're just not staying on that well, but more relevantly to running when you're breathing into it, it's, it's cotton and it's not, it, it's just, it's probably not protecting me at all because it this is gross, but it gets wet, you know, because you're breathing right. into it. So what I've been doing is wearing a buff um, and just wearing it around my neck and then putting it above, just like I would do in a winter run. And look, I know that it's probably not protecting me that much. Um, I'm sure it's not as effective, of course, as a medical mask, but it's better than nothing. And well, it's not. And the point of the mask isn't protecting us. It's it's um, keeping that the molecules that come out of our mouths yes. more, more contained. So that's yeah. And that's you know, I I the, a few days ago when kind of all of that, this came out with masks, and I I just saw that Montgomery County is going to try to enact uh, mandatory masks for everybody or face coverings you know, mask or a buff or a handkerchief, whatever, mm -hmm. for everybody in essential businesses to protect all of the essential workers like grocery stores and banks and, and that sort of thing. Um, but when that all first came out, I did, I wore a buff and um, every time I passed or saw anybody like, you know, even like on the other side of the street coming the other way, I would, I would pull it up. I, I haven't been in the past few days because I have been running really where there's nobody. I haven't even seen people in a distance. I feel like I should, I, I hate that feel of like, you know, it's hard to breathe when you put it on. But, um, but I was thinking about that today is, you know, do we run with one? Do we not run with one? And, and to your point of it being, I, I don't, wouldn't want to be the contagion. Um, right. Not that I've gone anywhere in the past several and weeks. Then, but. And then to your point, I also hate that you're running now in places where you don't see a single soul. Like, you know, we're, it's oh, there like, are houses. There are still houses, and like if I you know what I mean, like emerge. I'm not running like in the you know in the in in any like really deserted areas, but I'm okay. running in in a neighborhood where I can run in the street and early enough that even mm -hmm. if I see somebody, I can usually either go like really a totally different way. Okay. Um, but I was thinking about that this morning. Of like I had, you know, and, and you see, a, a, I haven't seen many runners out wearing uh, face masks. To be honest, I've seen a few, and I've seen a few cyclists. Um, but I just, I, I haven't seen that many. So that's just, you know, it was just curious. Yeah. 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 So, um, I also want to ask you, like, how is your running feeling right now? Like how did, cause I have some observations about my own, but I want to hear how yours is going. Like, I'm feeling great actually, cause I feel like there's no pressure. There's no, mm -hmm. I, I, my running is entirely right now, entirely solely for clearing my head, starting my mm -hmm. day. It's whatever I feel like doing, whatever I, I not even actually, you know, interestingly enough, my Garmin um, hasn't been reading properly lately and it's been going in and out of like satellite, like it'll keep buzzing, like it goes like it gets the GPS, doesn't get the GPS, gets the GPS. So the other day I did two 23 and a half minute miles in a row. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's, it was actually it was weird. It wasn't registering, like I know what a mile is from my house and it was saying that that was much more than a mile. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it was not, not as much as a mile. So, um, like I was a mile away from my house and it, it, it wasn't 
it wasn't pro it wasn't calibrated right and it was just it was wonky so when that happens it's like all right it doesn't really doesn't matter I'm definitely not running 23 minute miles but you know it doesn't really matter so um so i've more than ever right now this is like running has been such a good time for me to have quiet and that's why i don't mind not seeing anybody and not listening to anything like it's been such a good mind clear it's um it's sort of a, a little bit of a relief not to have to get in any certain mileage or do any certain workout. So my, mine feels good. What Great. That's awesome. Um, similarly, I'm enjoying running without having a specific workout or having the pressure of having to do a certain mileage each week and, and thinking about the meaning or intent of each workout. I'm keeping all my miles um, at an easy conversational pace and the weather's been delightful. So it's certainly been a great stress reliever. But for me, um, a lot of my runs, I've definitely felt a little more sluggish than usual, especially because I, I'm not recovering from a race. I'm getting enough sleep. And I just read an article the other day that um, just reminded me like, oh yeah, that's why I feel that way. I think that my body is probably absorbing um, the anxiety that I'm internalizing from our uncertainty. I don't have anxiety day to day in terms of what the day is looking like. I'm, I'm adjusted to this. I'm sure like everyone else, is, I'm not thrilled about it, but I've adjusted. But I think I have this low level anxiety that I don't even realize sharing. Yes. About what's going to happen. When does this end? What's it going to look like? And um, I suppress it because control the controllables. But I think in my my eagerness to do that, I may, it may be um, manifesting in my runs. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that, that's what's going on with me, but I'm, I'm not upset about it. It's just an observation, but I am happy to say that um, I've been much better this week about getting strength workouts in. I was a little bit more sporadic previous weeks, just can't quite get into the Zoom workout thing, but I committed to it more this week between um, working out with Christine Eric at Prime Fitness and doing their Zoom classes. And then I did um, Kelly's this week as well, who we had on our podcast. I was last there week. too. What, which one? I did both of them this week. I did. I, well, I did. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see. I did the core plus on Tuesday and then hit yesterday. Same. I did the same ones. Did you? I loved them. I thought they were yes, fantastic. They were great. They were, I, especially the core on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So my, and it was, I told her after it was, it was hard. So it really kind of drilled home to me that I need to do more of that. But she did a lot of single leg stuff, a lot of hip um, strength. And I thought it was really, really good. And Skaters, to have that, what? Mm -hmm. You you did lateral stuff, skaters, yeah. lateral, that all that stuff. And for me to have that on the calendar at a particular time uh, really made a difference for me because until then I'd just been finding or have, you know, finding videos that people had recorded previously and having to find the time to do it and make the time. And now having it on the, like knowing what time it started uh, was, was huge for me. So I loved, loved Kelly's workouts. And if any of our listeners are interested, we can post it in the show notes, but it's T E A M. Oh, like, it's in last, it's in last, in last week's show notes. Yeah, but team fit and mm -hmm. uh, it's really, really great. So it's, it, it, it gives some accountability and Kelly herself is wonderful and it's 30 minutes, which is exactly the amount of time that I really feel like dedicating to it, but it's an effective workout. So yes, I, yeah, I, it's I, good. I didn't realize you were there. I don't get to, you know, we yeah, don't get to I was see. there. Who, who and then, 
I also did the other two days I've done um, with Kristen and Eric at Prime Fitness. They also have um, a Zoom link. Their, their workouts um, similarly are at a certain time. Um, they're 45 minute strength workouts and but very similar format to Kelly's. Um, all things you can do at home, obviously, with body weight, some weights optional, but a lot of single leg um, mobility, core, um, upper body, lower body, all built in within a, a relatively short time frame. So I feel like if I can keep keep consistent, that'll be a nice um, nice thing to keep me distracted as well. So um, yeah. So um, I was really excited this week. Um, I'm sure you were too. Um, like so many runners, we've been missing our races and our sports, but there was actually something to watch this week, and it was Michael Wardian's uh, quarantine race. It was like this crazy thing where he and uh, I think it was like over 200. It was 2,000. 2,000 runners. It was the um, quarantine backyard ultra. I mean, which crazy. is basically like last man, <laughs> last man or woman standing <laughs> loops. They had to do four, a little over four mile <laughs> loops mm-hmm. and had to start at the top of every hour, uh, be in their corral, which could be their treadmill or, you know, in their neighborhood. They had to be um, socially distanced. And they basically, it was like last person standing. How many times can you go? And uh, our our local neighbor and and uh, and really uh, accomplished ultra runner Michael Wardian did it and he won after 63 hours. So that's 63 four point whatever mile loops, which was 262 miles. In he started at 9 a.m. Saturday and he finished Monday in the evening only because the one other runner that was left got sadly disqualified because as you can probably imagine after being the other runner that was still in the, in the He's from Czech Republic. Yep, and he was doing it on a treadmill. Uh, and he, for the treadmill, you have to be on the treadmill, and then as soon as the hour starts, you have to be moving. And for some reason, for about 90 seconds, he didn't start moving at, at the top of the hour. Mm-hmm. And so he was sadly, very sadly, disqualified. Um, but I, 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 my thought was, like, if I had been on a treadmill for 63 hours, I probably would be losing my mind, too, and not, no, you know, maybe lose some 90 seconds of my consciousness as well. Um, but, uh, but because of that, Mike Wardian, uh, was, was the winner and, uh, a good friend of mine lives in his neighborhood and was posting as he was running updates and updates of her kids who went out and ran alongside, well, you know, socially distanced, but it ran the same loop that he did. And when they would sit and watch their, eat their breakfast at the front door, watching him at their little table, watching him, uh, run by every, you know, every hour. Uh, run by their house. So it was like, she said it was like a, a like Wimbledon, <laughs> like being at Wimbledon. So it was, it was kind of like a fun, I think so many more people got into it other than just the running community or the ultra running community, because we're so desperate for some good news, sports. Or some sports, <laughs> something to distract us and something to, to cheer for. For sure. And, and not only were people excited about it in Arlington, Virginia, but everyone was riveted watching their, uh, watching the all around the country, their Zoom to see what was going on. So um, it just shows how excited and desperate we are for some uh, real-time sports. And 
uh, we were really excited because we actually got to interview Michael Wardian for this podcast and we talked to him today and it was a great conversation, not just about the race, but but more about kind of what makes Michael tick. And we can talk to him for hours. He's a really fascinating guy. And there are some other podcasts about his life. So if you're interested in learning more about how Michael Wardian got started, um, we encourage you to listen to those. This is a little bit more focused on what he just accomplished um, because we certainly wanted to ask him questions. But um, we really hope that our listeners today find some inspiration and motivation by what he has to say. He's a prolific racer, and all of his races have been canceled. And uh, we really like his approach and his attitude, and and we think that um, anyone who listens will benefit from what he has to say. He's just a super nice guy. So, yeah, uh, very down to earth. And as, as many people may look at him and say, well, I cannot even relate to that, that he can run 262 hours straight. Um, you know, uh, it made that on first glance, you think I can't relate to that. And that's not me. And he's superhuman, but um, he faces the same challenges all we, we do. He didn't start there. He's built over, you know, 25 years to, to doing what he does now. And um, the challenges and the mental challenges that he faces and how he overcomes them apply to, to all of us. So I think he's such a great guy. And we're really grateful for the time he spent talking to us today, especially because he's gotten, he, he told us he's gotten about eight hours of sleep since the race, which ended Monday night. So it's now Thursday and he's gotten about eight hours of sleep since the race. So he's a busy yeah, like, He's busy. Like when we reached out to him, he was on a work call and that was like, two days, maybe one or two days after he had finished, um, he said he started working right away because he said he had to finish by Tuesday for work. And so we reached out on Tuesday and he was on that work call. So he hasn't stopped. So we are super appreciative that he took the time to speak with us. And um, we're going to turn it over to Michael Wardian now. So Lisa, I hope you have a great week. You too, Julie. Talk to you later. Groundhog Day. It's like Groundhog Day. Same thing every day. See you same place next week. All right. Bye. Bye. There's Mike. Oh, there's Mike. How are you feeling? Oh, no worries. I feel great. Yes. It's just been, it's just been busy with work and, um, seems like a lot of people were, uh, drawn into this event for some reason. And so, uh, it's been a lot of, uh, media requests. That's awesome. Well, thank you for talking. Thank you. My good friend uh, from when I was uh, in my summer associate, new associate class, Natalie Royceman is your neighbor. So she was posting. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. She was posting, uh, you know, pictures the whole time. Her kids were sitting at the front door with those, um, the storm door, closed the glass door, watching you run by. They were like eating their breakfast. She was like, it's just like being at Wimbledon. And we were like, (laughs) there goes Mike. There goes Mike. So um, it was fun to watch from, from her perspective too. They, and her, I heard that a lot of your neighbors were like, you know, watching for sightings of you. So that, I think it was really fun for everybody to have, have something, a diversion. Uh, I think, yes, I think it, we're all looking for something to take our minds off of what's going on. And um, this was a hopefully a positive uh, experience. Uh, yeah, she was super cute. And her son, Abe, actually, he ran maybe like 10 miles or something. Like, it was awesome. 10 miles? I knew he ran. Awesome. I didn't realize 10 miles. Yeah, like he was just like kind of like running, wow. like inspired. Yeah, it was cool. That's so cool. That's awesome. Um, 
All right, so we we we're, we want to start first of all. We we could talk to you for hours because you are basically the goat of running in the D.C. area, if not in the country. I mean, we, we thank feel you that way, very much, and we've been following you for many years, and we've met you on a number of occasions at different occasions at different races. But we wanted to start out and focus on what you just did because we want to first of all thank you for bringing sports back into our lives for a minute, which is why I think everybody loved what you did. So tell- Yeah, I heard people saying like, it just made them feel normal again, right? So like- Exactly. Yeah. So tell our listeners how it came about and how you got involved. Uh, well, the race I think came about um, because um, I think it was peak performance or uh, wanted to do a race to kind of bring everyone together. And then I heard about it, I think through my friend, Maggie Guterol. Um, I saw that she was going to be doing it. And then I saw like all these other elites, um, were kind of in the field, like Courtney DeWalter, uh, Jamil Curry, uh, Harvey Lewis, like a bunch of guys on the 24 hour world team for the U S and I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. But like, I was more interested in that, like, oh, this is an opportunity to kind of do something in my neighborhood. Um, this is an opportunity to kind of, like, I've always toyed with the idea of doing one of these type of races where it's like a last man standing. You can try to see how far you can get. Um, but I'd always had something else like the next week or, and the other, the other big thing for me on this is like, you don't know when it's going to end. So you can't plan with work. And I still work a full-time real job and so like um you know i have obligations there and so i it's hard to you know if you know when the race is going to end then you can plan accordingly like i'll be gone a week and you know i need help for then but this one's like i could be back tomorrow and you don't need to do anything or or i might be still be running on tuesday when we have offers to and so like um that's something that um i was willing to take a chance on since i was close to home so like if i really really had to go it wasn't like i was you know in mongolia or somewhere and then you know was running it for six days and then had to you know try to fly home or something and you could have a little time each hour right so the the, the guidelines for the race were that you had to complete a loop which is a little over four miles each hour right so you had to start on the hour and complete yep. it and so so ostensibly you could have a little time in between where you could run inside right and like answer a call I guess, if you needed to yeah yeah yeah. and you could take calls on the route too okay. i mean like so so yeah i mean that's what i was thinking um what i realized <laughs> it becomes really hard <laughs> um just to do that kind of distance and be that awake for that amount of time like it becomes you know hard um but yeah, it, it, I was I was definitely thinking like, um, you know, how am I going to solve this? Because I had a lot of stuff to do on Tuesday and uh, it just turned out that, you know, the race ended before that. So what was your mindset like going into the race? Did you have a personal goal or were you more like Zen about it thinking, I don't know who my other competitors are, so I'm just going to do the best I can? Um, well, I, I mean, I had a goal to try to run further than I'd ever run. And so the furthest I'd ever run was the entire CNO canal, which was, uh, 300 kilometers or about 184 miles. And the longest time I'd ever run straight, uh, was 36 hours. 
36 minutes and 12 seconds. So like, I just wanted to try to get past that. And then I figured anything over that would be cool. Uh, but then as I got closer to, um, like 175 miles, I thought, well, it'd be cool to get to 200 miles. And then once I got to 200 miles, I thought, wow, I mean, how many times are going to be this far? Like I should go for like 250 miles. And then when I got to 250 miles, I was thinking, well, like it would be cool to get the record. Um, and so that's kind of what I was shooting for. And then, you know, the race ended, so we didn't get to do that. But then I thought, I was feeling so good, you know, at the end, um, that, you know, I was thinking, well, I mean, 300 miles would be amazing. And then, you know, wow, if we got to 300 miles, maybe 500 K. So like, you know, 310, but that didn't happen. Were you disappointed or relieved when it ended the way it did? I was disappointed. I mean, I was happy to, I was happy that, that, you know, it wasn't me that ended the race, but I was disappointed that we didn't get to keep going. And I was disappointed for Raddick that, you know, it seemed like he just had a, you know, a moment where he, he didn't respond when he should have. And, he, you know, unfortunately, you know, you gotta, you gotta move out of the corral or you gotta start, you gotta start running. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't do that. Um, but I mean, it's, it stinks because he looked strong and it looked like we could have kept going for a while. Did you know him before? Had you had you ever raced with him or had met him before? Uh, it's funny. I mean, we've been telling the story, um, but I guess he met me at the Spartathlon when I was trying to drop out at an aid station. So, like, I was, like, chafed and from, like, my neck to, like, my knees and, like, hypothermic and under, like, a blanket and, like, shaking. And I guess he came in and was like, don't drop out. You're strong. You can rebound. And I was just like, nah, I'm done. And so I guess that we met there, but, um, I didn't remember it just because I was in such a bad state, but, uh, I think, you know, he did. Got it. So when you were doing this race, I would imagine you had some low points, even though you just told it where you felt motivated to keep going. Did you have any points in the race when you were just like, this sucks and I don't know how much farther I can go? Uh, Yeah. Uh, I, uh, like, uh, three o'clock in the morning on Sunday, I basically quit. I like went out of the aid st or I started at three o'clock in the morning, ran like around the block half, like half, like 0.2 miles, like less than, you know, a lap of the track. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I started to walk and then because if you time it on your Strava, if it thinks you're, it auto pauses you because you're going too slow. And so then I stopped the Strava and turned it to walk. And I, then I walked back to my wife and I told her that I didn't want to do it anymore. And I said, I'm not really, I'm not really into this anymore. And she said, are you hurt? And I said, no, I said, I'm fine. I just don't want to do it anymore. I'm not into it. And she said, that's not a good enough excuse. <laughs> and I said, you're right. It's not. And so then I started running again. And since that point on, I felt, I felt great, but it was just the, exactly what I needed to hear. I was just, cause I was feeling like, um, I don't know. I was feeling like uh, selfish, like she had been out there for so long and, um, and my neighbors and, uh, my kids and, and, you know, I was, just 
I, I just, I was like, why, I mean, why am I doing this? Like, it doesn't, I mean, it's not doing anybody any good. Like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I was just having all those thoughts of like, you know, like I'm, I'm inconveniencing everyone. And when she said that it was like permission because she, I, she was like, I'm willing to stand here until you, you reach your potential or you can't go anymore, but just because you don't want to do it, like that doesn't, that's not a good reason. Like if you're hurt, yeah, that's a different reason. But um, so I thought that was awesome because then I knew that no matter how long I would go, that they would be there, you know? And so that, that was definitely motivating because then you have, you know, full, um, yeah, full permission to, you know, to do your best. And that's what, and I wanted to honor that. And I think um, anything less than that would have been shameful, like really. Great. What else, what else did you think about on all those miles? Because you were out there for <laughs> 63 hours, right? 63 hours from Saturday until Monday night. What do you, what do you think about? Um, I mean, I was lucky. I mean, the neighborhood that I live in in Arlington Forest was really supportive. Like, um, so I was, you know, trying to, you know, be, um, you know, easy to, to be around. And so like, I, w I was able to, you know, chat with people as I was running. And um, I thought, you know, that was that was awesome. I mean, like the the ability to, you know, draw off of the people that are out there supporting you was great. Um, I listened to some books, um, podcasts, music, um, you know, eventually, like people like started setting up like boom boxes and like stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking yeah, a, a lot of, you know, I mean, the, the, the thing about these events is they really strip away a lot of the stuff that is extraneous. And so it becomes more about like, am I eating enough? Am I, uh, do I, what do I need the next time I finish? Like, uh, how are my calories? And so like, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, I'm, I'm very, uh, you're very much like you're driving a car. You're, you're constantly like monitoring all your vital signs and like, am I too hot? What am I going to need next time? Is the weather coming in? Um, you know, do I have enough fuel? Have I drank enough? Um, you know, what do I feel like eating? What am, what, are, like, what's, what's my shoe situation? Like, I didn't really change much, but like, do I need new socks or am I okay? And so like, I don't know. I was doing Self -inventory. a lot of that. Self-inventory. Yeah. But, um, but also like, yeah, yeah. A lot of that. And then just kind of, you know, just counting laps, like 10 laps is done. <laughs> like then I get to sit down again. Yeah. When you were um, thinking about your fueling and taking inventory, um, did you have a plan in place necessarily for this or was it a little bit on the fly because typically you don't run races where you're doing the same loop over and over near your house where you can go into your kitchen theoretically? Yeah, but the only thing is like you're, once you leave uh, to start the hour, you can't um, take aid. And so like I wanted to make sure I had what I needed for the 45 to 50 minutes and then 
um, then you're right. Yeah. I could just come into the kitchen if I wanted to and grab the sandwich or whatever. Um, but it's crazy how fast that like, you know, 10 minutes goes by when you have to like, you know, check in, do all the stuff, log in, put in the password, um, do all that kind of stuff. And then by that time you got to refill your bottles and all of a sudden it's time to like go back to start again. So mm. it goes by pretty quick. So what'd you eat? Tell us like what your nutrition was. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Everyone's been asking that and I, I feel like I keep forgetting some stuff, but um, I had, I think four Pupatella pizzas. Um, but I, I am a vegetarian. I eat eggs and honey, but not cheese. So they're basically just bread with bread sauce. Um, sushi, uh, soups, uh, Slurpees, popsicles, especially when it got hot. Um, I had like engineered nutrition that I normally eat, like goose and um, scroopwafels and chews. Um, avocado with salt. Um, a little hummus, um, some smoothies, um, some hot tea. Um, basically, I was I was trying to eat um, oh some almond butter and honey. Like I was trying to eat normally, like I would. Um, and the nice thing is, like you're not having to go super fast, so it you know it's not like you're you know running at your full tilt. So like it's maybe easier to get some some denser foods and so I was trying to put as much of that stuff down and then you know liquid calories um, but yeah it, I was I was happy with like actually how the nutrition plan worked but it wasn't like oh I have to get you know two two bites of you know something I mean there were some times where my buddy James is like I don't care what you eat but you need to eat something and um that was nice I mean the tricky part was like only Jennifer and the boys could hand me stuff so like it was really cumbersome because like normally when you come in, like everyone could be around me and one person could be like the, the sandwich person and one person could be the soup person. But like this time it was like Jennifer was always the person. Um, so yeah, she's a rock star. Sounds like it. Yeah, totally. Like for sure. Like what would this, you rather, I, what would you rather been doing loops around your neighborhood or on the treadmill? <laughs> like Radic did. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I mean, both are challenging. I think the nice thing with the treadmill is you could have your nutrition like on the treadmill and not have to carry it. Whereas I had to carry it all, every time. And I also had to carry like my phone to track the mileage. So like it would have been nice as that goes. And then also if you're on the treadmill, you, it's a little bit easier to, you know, you just, all you have to do is pick up your feet. You don't actually have to make the motion. Um, especially if it's on 0% grade, which I'm sure it probably was. So, I mean, that's the benefit. The, the problem with that is your feet are always hitting the exact same position. And so you're putting a lot of stress on like the little connector tissues. Whereas like I had some up and down and up and down. And so both are just as, I mean, both are, both are hard. And especially if you're looking at the same wall for 63 hours or whatever, like, but that being said, like he could have watched some six shows, like, like all of uh, Ozark season three or whatever. Um, like I told you, like last time I did a 24 hour on the treadmill, I watched like the trashy show, The Magician. So like, <laughs> I, I, I probably would have watched some trashy TV, you know? Yeah. So how's your, you are, um, I think for so many people, 
there's so many things about you and how your body works that are amazing to people, but one of which is your ability to recover from events like this so quickly. So how has your recovery been since this event? And did you run a fast mile afterwards? Like, or, or if, I know after some of your bigger events, you like to run like a fast 5K or a fast mile. Did you do that after this? Yeah, so the recovery has been incredibly easy. Like I was surprised. I was expecting to be hammered and I still haven't really slept much. I think slept eight hours since um, since Saturday. So, um, and I did do, I think like 12 hours after the race, I did um, a fast mile and it went okay. I broke six minutes, I think like 550 Strava says 551, but my watch said 557. So I think it's probably more like 555. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I, and it felt pretty good, actually really good. And so that actually made me think like I had thought about going for the transcontinental record, which is like my big goal this summer was to run across the country. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to do that. Um, but I just... I, you know, I still have work, so I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, how, how do I do both? Do you realize that when you did this event over the past few days that you brought a lot of joy? Did you realize that you brought so much joy to the, not just the running community, but so many people who were just looking for something interesting to watch that's sports related? Did you recognize what a big deal it was while you were doing it and how much you brought not only the Arlington community together, but people from around the world were tuning in and watching you? Um, I was hoping that people were, I, I didn't, it didn't seem real. Like it, like when they were talking about the numbers that of people that were watching, I just didn't really, it didn't mean anything. Right. Like I was just like, the, it, it seemed, it, yeah, it seemed like it wasn't real. Um, but I, I'm glad. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. That's what I wanted to do for our community. And I'm just glad that it was something relatable to people around the world. And um, yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was something I, I wasn't expecting, but I'm glad that it resonated with people and, and gave people something to be excited about. I mean, I heard the cones were maybe even more exciting, but um, <laughs> yeah. The silver lining to this to this current current situation. What were your racing plans for for the spring? What 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 was on your agenda that may have gotten canceled because of everything that's going on? Uh, actually, almost everything got canceled. Uh, first race that got canceled was the Catalina Island Marathon on March fourteenth, and then I was supposed to do a Ultra X race in Sri Lanka that was two hundred and fifty k, and I had the tickets for that and that got canceled. And then I was doing the Boston marathon to help pace a friend of mine, a guy named Chaz Davis, who's a Paralympian, try to make the Paralympics in Tokyo and go sub 230. Uh, and then I was going to go to London for the age group world championships. Uh, and then probably the strolling gym uh, race in Tennessee that so Laz race that he puts on. And then I was going to comrades in South Africa and then I was going to try to run across the country. So yeah, all that got canceled. And what do you say to um, all of the listeners? We've, we have a lot of listeners that understandably are very disappointed in their race plans. And while obviously not the same as yours in terms of volume, I'm sure they share a lot of the same feelings that you do. And what advice do you have to deal with that disappointment and, and how to channel that into something positive? Because clearly you're, you're doing that very well. 
Well, I mean, I just shifted focus. So instead of doing those races, I did a bunch of FKTs, um, which are like fastest known times in the area. Like I ran the fastest time on the Billy Goat Trail. And then two days later, I ran all the state streets in Washington, D.C. that I wanted to do, which was like 65 miles and set a fastest known time on that route. And I tried to take down my friend John Kelly's fastest known time on the Appalachian Trail, and he was just way too strong, so I didn't get his record. But, um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I think it's just an opportunity to get creative with yourself. And there's a lot of, like, fun virtual races. Like, I'm actually partnering with um, a company to put on a race on Earth Day, like a virtual race just to get people out. And um, I'll totally let you guys know about it when I can. Like, I, I feel like they're supposed to send me something today, but like, um, so like, I think that'll be April 22nd. And then, uh, that ultra X company, I'm doing a 14.1 kilometer race. So like, I think it's an opportunity to just get creative with yourself and, um, and maybe, you know, if you have, you know, people in your household that you can train with, but, um, you know, the, eventually we're going to be able to start competing again. And I want to be ready for when that time comes. And I think this is also a great opportunity if people are maybe had a niggle or something like to work on it. Like this is a time where like maybe you, you never wanted to do strength training, but this is a time where you can kind of um, learn how to do that. Or, um, you know, you've, you've always wanted to be able to do 15 pull-ups or something like, why not like make that a goal to do now? Like stuff that you can do that you don't, you know, have to do um, in a big group. Like I want to learn how to do a um, a cartwheel. Like I don't know how to do a cartwheel. Like that sounds I feel dangerous. Like, sounds dangerous to me. I think I'd kill myself. It sounds super dangerous. Like I don't understand why it's so hard. It shouldn't be hard because I can do like a handstand, but not. I I can't do a handstand that's not against the wall. But I guess maybe I. I don't know. I figure like YouTube can tell me how to do it. <laughs> you can't do a cartwheel. Everyone listening, Michael Wardian can't do a cartwheel. I cannot. No, that's like something that I really want to learn how to Run do. Run 262 like, miles, but can't do a cartwheel. So, but you're, you're yeah. really good. You post on your Instagram, you know, all your, you're really good about strength and staying on top of that, which is, I, I think, something that runners struggle with and something we've encouraged our runners to really focus on now that they have a little bit of extra time and maybe have dialed back some mileage from their training. Um, so tell us a little bit about the, the training that you do. How, how often do you do your strength training? Are you still able to work with your trainer? Or do you do it virtually now? How, how have you adjusted? Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a bummer. So I work with a guy named Jesse Fuller. He's based here in the DC area and he's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of why I was able to go as far as I was was just because I was strong. Like my core is stronger. My back is stronger. I have a little like kind of like biceps now and like it's um you know it's it's fun to like have that kind of strength to be able to draw on um and i normally work with him monday mornings and wednesday mornings and we haven't been able to meet in probably two and a half weeks and it's killing me i actually texted him today and be like hey can you just send me something that you want me to do like he still does but i'm just doing a lot of the stuff i already know how to do and which is fine, but um, I just know that he makes me better when I when I'm working with him because I'll get to like eight and I should get to like twenty and I'm just like how do I I don't understand how he even gets me to twenty like but he does he's like a crafty little 
ninja. Like, um, so yeah, so anyhow, yeah, he's, he's amazing. And, um, yeah, that's, I'd say of all the things that I've missed the most, it's being able to work with him. Like, um, you know, just, yeah, he would like stretch me out and like, um, make me do stuff that I don't want to do, but I do love it, you know, and, um, I'm really missing that. And then also just like the, the diversity of like the workouts, like he'll take like something that I know how to do and I'll be like, Oh, I'm awesome at that. And then he'll add like, now touch your, you know, take the tip of your pinky and touch the back of your head. And you'll be like, what? That's, Oh, that's really hard. Like, you know, you can't do that. Um, so like just taking like simple things and, and turning them into, you know, a whole new, um, exercise or, um, set of mobility drills or something. And so, yeah, I've, I've missed that. But if you guys have anyone that you guys work with, it's, it's awesome. Or, I mean, Jesse does uh, virtual stuff too. So. Yeah, we, we definitely feel like you're a master's runner like we are, and we coach a lot of master's runners, and we feel like strength training is definitely a necessity for anyone doing any kind of running once you hit 40. That's when <laughs> those things you used to get away with suddenly surface. And um, did, what did you get into strength training after sustaining an injury, or did you start doing that um, before injury? I, got, I started doing it preemptively, and mostly it was because Jesse was like, he's like, I want to work with you. And he was like, went bent over backwards. Like he used to come to the house and like, it was just awesome. Like, he's just like, I think you can be even better if you, you know, got stronger. And, and you know, the first workout I did, I was like, eh, I don't know. And, um, but then he, you know, he was persistent and, and I started to see the results. And, um, I, I think like it, it's something I was doing. I had a routine that I was doing, but like, I, it it wasn't as inclusive and as diverse as it needed to be and uh, I think as individuals and as people we tend to like to do the things that we're good at um, and and if you want to get better at stuff that you need to have somebody even and even just that somebody be like you're doing that kind of right but you need to just yeah. maybe move your knee like two inches to the right, you know, and that's the kind of stuff where somebody that's not you can see that and be like, Oh, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta actually don't drag your foot or something, you know, if you're doing like bear crawls or, you know, whatever. Got it. So with respect to recovery, um, tell us some of your, what are people want to know? What are some of your secrets to recovery? Because you don't seem to get a ton of sleep. Um, you strength train a lot, not, not overly, but you, you seem to be doing all the things and yet you recover so quickly. So is there something that you feel that you do that helps aid your recovery or is it just something that you've always had innately and you're, you can't explain it? No, I mean, I, I think there, I mean, it is something that I've been really lucky to, to have been able to, you know, have that as a asset. Um, but I think there are some things I do, like I think moving, you know, pretty quickly the next day or, or even staying in motion after, you know, a hard effort, it really helps. Um, I think I, I you know, I eat pretty well. Um, you maybe couldn't tell during the race since I was like downing like Slurpees and Cokes, like it was my job. But like, uh, you know, most of the time I eat like, you know, pretty healthy plant-based like nutritious food um 
And then, you know, I, I drink quite a bit of water. I don't really drink any other um, caloric beverages other than like fresh squeezed juice. So like, and I squeeze it myself because I'm like a weirdo, like <laughs> Andy Hoffman or, oh no, it was, um, it was um, Bobby Fisher that would only take uh, oranges that he saw were squeezed right in front of him. Um, but yeah, so like, yeah, I'm like that. Like I'm pretty pretty uh regimented in in some things but um but yeah so I, I think that helps and then I'm really excited about getting back out there and I think like I I never really have a time where I don't have something that I'm working towards and I think that helps too so like having I have I have goals and I have big goals like big audacious like scary exciting goals and I think having something that you're motivated to do makes it um makes it easier to do the things you need to do because you know you're not going to get there i mean it doesn't happen just because you want it to happen you you need to do the the little things to make sure that it does happen i love hearing that too that you're always have to have these big scary audacious goals because you've done a lot of big scary audacious things already and yet you keep setting you know, higher goals. So how do you, how do you keep doing then? You look, you just ran 262 miles, but your next goal is to run across the United States. So you just keep yeah. looking for the next big thing. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, it's scary because I mean, the, uh, I've talked to a lot of people that have run across the country and they say, after you do that, you don't really want to like, you're, you like, then people ask you, well, what's next? And you're like, I, I don't know. Like, Can't come and, run and across the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I, I have like tons of other things I want to do. Like, I want to be the first person to run on the moon. Like, I want to like, or Mars or like wherever we get to go. Like, um, and I want to like run across all the continents. Like, so like, I want to start in my home continent, but I think it'd be awesome to run across, you know, Australia and New Zealand. There's a trail that I want to do. Uh, I want to run in Europe and Africa and, um, like there's a trail that I want to do across England. Um, and yeah, I, there's, there's no shortage of, you know, adventure that I'd like to have. Um, it's just, you know, how do you, you got to be able to fit everything in and you got to be able to honor your obligations too, you know, as a parent and, um, partner and, um, yeah, that's, that's also part of it. And so like, I try to do the most I can based on, you know, the time that I'm allotted. Well, you seem like you do a very good job at it and a good job of balancing, which I think a lot of people, I think is a great example for a lot of people. And we can both say, having met you, you're also just a really nice person. So, um, so oh, well, thank you. you've, you've, you're really, I think you're doing it the right way. And I think it's great for people to hear right now that there are always goals to set, even if we don't have races on the calendar or other things going on there, there's always another big, scary, audacious goal out on the horizon that we can set ourselves and hold ourselves to, which I think is great. Gives me, yeah. gives me some inspiration. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, it's, it's nice that, um, that, that people found it interesting. Like it's, it's one of those things where, um, you, you never know how people are going to react to stuff you do. And, um, I'm glad this one was something that people, you know, felt they, they had some interest in and, you know, investment but, Mike, but I guess you must have been because I mean it was so long <laughs> yeah it was, it 
was fantastic. It was, it's the first sport we've seen in a really long time. So everyone was, I think, really excited. But well, isn't there's like a saying about that? If you set really low expectations, <laughs> it makes people happy, right? So yeah. Very happy. So we, before we wrap up, we just wanted to ask you um, one final question, and that is to all of the people listening who. Um, maybe feel like, well, I, I'm not as fast as Mike Wardian, or I can't run the kind of miles he runs, but they're still runners and they still have goals. What do you, what do you say to those people who feel like that you're so above them? What do you say to them to encourage them? Well, I mean, I, I guess what I could, I, I would hope that um, people would know that I didn't start out like this and I don't think anyone mm -hmm. does. I mean, it's taken me I, I became a professional runner in 2003 and I started running in 1996 and so you know I played lacrosse growing up like I wasn't a collegiate runner and uh, I think that you know if you're consistent and you continue to train and you continue to set goals like my first goal was just to run the Boston Marathon and um, you know that's that was it like I figured I would do a marathon and then be done and um and go do something else and um and you know it's just been a progression from there but like it doesn't have to be i mean you can you can set your own goals and that's what's cool about it is we all have the chance to define what we choose to focus on and what we want to make a success or I, I mean, I think a lot of times, even in failure, you learn more than you do when you have a great race. Like, I mean, if I would, if I would have mismanaged something in this race and I almost did when I quit, like, uh, and I didn't really quit, but you know, I quit in my mind and my wife had to, you know, get me back on, you know, why I was out there. And, um, and now I know like that I shouldn't have to worry about that anymore. And so like, that was, that was powerful. I mean, and I think, you know, all of us have the opportunity to do that in whatever we choose to focus on. That's great. Yeah. And we also awesome. wanted to add, you're, you've got a birthday coming up, right? Your birthday's coming oh, up. Oh yeah, yeah, I turned yeah. 46 on Sunday. Yeah, so, we're, yeah, we're only, we're 14, or no, we're 16 days apart, I think, so. Ah, Happy birthday. <laughs> are you earlier or later? Later, I'm April 28th. So. Oh, yeah. all right. Same, the well, same year. Forty say happy birthday to you too. And thank you so yes. much for joining us. We know you've got a lot of people to talk to and work to still <laughs> no do problem. and runs to still do. So thank you for making the time to talk with us. And we hope we will see you out on the race courses at some point soon and be able to run all together again. But until then, keep inspiring people because you're doing a good job. Well, thank you very much. You guys are awesome. Thanks, thank Mike. you, Mike. All right. Bye. Bye.